You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. If there's something I need, I don't already have I know I'll get it from a good friend If there's something I need Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to the Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry, we laugh, we think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups. And I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. It's um, the Good Friend podcast where we discuss friendship. And I am really excited today. I've been looking forward to it um, to talk to my friend Demi Moore um, because we've been friends for 30 plus years, but yet it's only recently that we have leaned into it in a way. A hundred percent. And in that, what comes from it, which I think is interesting and very unique to us, is that we had a peripheral understanding of each other, 
We had a mutual admiration society where I need to tell my listener this. Um, I think we have one. I I like to at least say that we have one listener. Um, just think, you know, I'm trying to be grounded and not be grandiose. So I do believe we have a listener. Um, I will tell you something that happened when I first made my first book for children, which was a surprise to me. It was called When I Was Little, A Four-Year-Old's Memoir of Her Youth. It was a book for children. Uh, it was produced. And the first book signing I ever did was at a store called Children's Book World on Pico Boulevard. And this was pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-all of us becoming our own PR people, pre-us selling, 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 selling everything ourselves. And I remember I did very little promotion. I think I was working at the time, and I couldn't do a big promotion. And all I remember is sitting down to read and then sign some. And when I looked up, Demi Moore was there with, I think you're, I think it was only rumor, right? Definitely rumor, maybe Scout. Scout was born in 91. Yeah, I think it was before then. Yeah. I think it was before then. Um, and you know, what's so interesting is my, you know, perspective or perception was of such awe the book was so moving to me. And mm. I was just really enamored that you had done this. Also, the personal story that you were telling and just how beautiful it was that you, I don't know, were just openly sharing, but you had found this context to bring it forward. And um, I think I was really intimidated. Oh, well. We'll discuss that. I'm letting you know that even though we were not close friends, we were acquaintances, we had things in common. We will kind of unpack that a little bit here today to kind of figure out how we kind of circled each other a little bit. But I will tell you in that moment, for you to be sitting there cross-legged on the ground with your daughter, looking up as I was doing my first ever book signing slash reading in the bookstore that I used to shop for my daughter's books from when she was born was so moving to me. And your level of support in that moment was crucial, particularly because we weren't close friends. It wasn't like we were besties and you'd be like, of course I'm going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we really hadn't I didn't even know you knew I had made a book. I just, I remember that moment and the grace that you um, brought and the the moment was very moving to me. Thank um, you. Gosh, that so. means so much to me to know that. Because, you know, in life, I really feel like we have these encounters where someone impacts us, but the other person may not have any clue or really know the depth of the impact that that small action may have had. It's always fascinating to me. Like I have one of those, not to like go too far off track, but go, um, go wherever you want to go. This is a, fr we are <laughs> free and easy podcast. It can go wherever it goes. Well, 
so this was just about impact because the director, Gary Marshall, who was a big part of Happy Days, mm-hmm. um, and I was a teenager living in West Hollywood, and I was invited to go see a taping of it uh, at Paramount Studios. And the person who had invited me knew one of the actors. And so there was a, a bit of a, a little bit more of a connection than just the general audience. Anyway, after the show, we were speaking and I was introduced to Gary Marshall. And I think I was a fairly high energy person. I still am. And I remember Gary Marshall turning to me and saying, if you could harness that energy, you could really do something with it. Mm. And for whatever reason, I understood what that meant. I, years later, I mentioned it to him. And of course, he didn't remember it at all. And yet the profound impact that it had on me and on how I, from that moment on, perceived life and the importance of channeling my energy. Yeah, it was, it forever changed in a moment. So, but that's a really interesting thread to unravel our sweater. Because obviously as friends, we are very intentional. We we suit up and show up. Mm-hmm. If it's a birthday, we want to make sure that that person feels our presence, our vision of them, that we see them, that we hear them, that we have found the perfect gifting to mark that occasion, the celebrations that take place around people's accomplishments, whatever it is, become ritualized. They become, uh, you know, commercialized. They become uh, uh, memorialized. Memori- <laughs> exactly. And there's something so interesting to me about random moments of sight of impact that you just described that i described to you about you sitting there at the uh, on the ground at this book thing you weren't you weren't trying to say to me anything but i see you i hear you i appreciate you in that moment and I'm proud of you in that moment. I'm here. And I was. All of those things that you just said, I I was and more. But you see, you didn't call me for a week before going, hey, it's me. Um, I was thinking of coming to your book signing. It's so great that you're doing it. And afterwards, you didn't try to connect back to it. You let the moment be the moment. It didn't need articulation. It didn't need to be stretched and pulled and reshaped into something. It was a moment of connection and and bearing witness. And then it was over. And I have never forgotten it. And as you said, you've never forgotten what Gary Marshall, he probably forgot that he ever said to you, you know, if you could harness he it. He didn't even ever remember meeting me. <laughs> Right. You know, right. that's how yeah, that's yeah, yeah. how different our 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 experiences can be of the same event. Now, with this event, I, truly, I remember just being in awe that you had written a book, and and I remember asking you about the person who did 
um, the illustration and God, I can keep just keep saying it in awe of how it all came together. And believe me, when that book showed up in an envelope at my house, after all of the drawings had been submitted, all of the you know color version of those drawings had been stapled together in what they called an FNG, fold and gather, and you get sent that, and then you get sent a proof, all of it. When that hardback book arrived in an envelope at my house and I opened that, I had the exact same feeling you did, which is, how did this happen? How is this here? I don't understand it. It is perfect in its perfection. And apparently I had something to do with it, but I didn't even, do you know what I mean? Do like, you it feel was, like it, that this was an experience for you that almost was like a channeled experience in the sense of yes. the story that came through and from the outside, it seemed like the most natural that it happened with such grace and ease and like it's something that you should have always been doing. We'll be right back with more good friend after this quick break. So stick around. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Let's talk about channeling, because I think we're in an industry where the creative process If you've ever, if my listener and you have never read Marilyn Monroe's last interview about her process about trying to be, you know, to be in the movie business, and she talks about the art form of being an actor, and yet it is scheduled like this minute scheduled thing where it's like, at 10 a.m., you will create art. Mm. And she talks about, like, what if you're not feeling it? <laughs> like, it's art. It's, it's, it's reaction. It's, and, but that's and, part of the discipline, no? Without question, it's part of the discipline. But there is something that happens in our lives where the channel does open, where the muse hits you, where I had never thought I was going to write a book. The last thing in the world I thought I would do is write books because I could barely get through school. So the idea that a book popped into my head in the way it did with Annie making a funny statement and me reacting to it, blah, blah, blah. To that point, Elizabeth Gilbert did um, a TED talk, if you haven't seen it. And part of what she talks about is how successful her first book was and how this energy coming towards her, like, Oh, you know, you're going to be able to top that. And this pressure that can come in um, that can almost be debilitating. And for some writers like Harper Lee, she never really wrote another novel Mm -hmm. again. Um, But one of the things Elizabeth Gilbert talks about is that in our current time, we have started to refer to people as being a genius versus how it used to be referred to as having a genius. And that meant that it popped in. Sometimes it was there and sometimes it wasn't. And, you know, and those are those real transcendent moments that really do exist beyond, you know, space and time. Mm -hmm. And I think um, you talked about that when you wrote the foreword to um, Mark Nepo's book. Yeah. That it just like flowed in. And and I, I really love that idea of having a genius because it takes the pressure off of and and it and it embraces our humanity our imperfection, that it's not, that sometimes the the genius is there and you need to stop what you're doing and go write it down or because it'll, it's fleeting. Yeah. So sometimes your genius, your little genius shows up and sometimes he doesn't at 10 a.m. Sometimes. Right, 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 (laughs) right. Oh, wow. I, A, I need to now watch that. And, and that is how, 
you know, in relation to you showing up for me as a friend and an acquaintance sitting there honoring that moment, I think friends have a way of sort of protecting that spirit in you. So I'm interested in your early friendships. If you could just explain to my listener a little bit about your early life and how did you connect in friendship to people? Did you? Yes, such an interesting um, area to explore for me because, you know, there's always the pluses and minuses. I did have some really harsh um, experiences growing up. Um, one of them being that uh, one of the elements um, is that we moved so much. I was in never less than two schools a year and which made me extremely adaptable. I was a very quick study. Um, my ability to get in, assess, know who was who, how things were operating, who was wielding power, you know, uh, like just how a system worked, like was almost like instantaneous. Um, and it allowed me to really appreciate whatever was there while it was there. And knowing that, you know, don't get too attached because you're going to be moving on soon. And the downside of that was my adapting made me always looking externally to find my place. How can I assimilate? How can I fit in? And so knowing what I liked, what I didn't like, what I was really interested in was, was definitely um, filtered through pleasing and fitting in. And the other part of it what that was i think has been a challenge and an opportunity is not being attached not getting too attached also doesn't lend itself to knowing how to nurture friendships it doesn't mm -hmm. know how to follow up and call it doesn't know uh like i didn't have in my um you know tool shed how you build long term friendships because for me, it was great while it was there. And I never had held anything negative. If I were to run into someone that I knew again, that would be amazing. I just never expected it. And I think on the other side of that, I think I may have hurt people's feelings without ever knowing it because I just didn't know how to invest in that way. So interesting. I'm very similar, out of sight, out of mind. Mm. And I I have a lot of tools to kind of keep me very focused. I'm, a, as you know, incredibly sort of, uh, it's the way my brain works, mm -hmm. which is why if you ever need somebody to go through and help you let go of items, I'm your girl because I just have that internal filing system that I've always had. I've had that since it's like I a hypervigilance, though. It, it, it is. It well, it's from that end of and a brain that operates logically, which mine does as well. Like, so you know. with that, though, I am able to pivot. And we are both professional actors in a field that demands 
an immersion into a group of people, the exact same description Mm -hmm. of the hierarchy, the weakness, who is the person to go to, who is the person to not go to, who can you trust, who do you have to be light and polite with, who, and I think that skill has served us both very well as actors because that's what happens to the listener. We drop into a group of 100 plus people, let's say 150 people every time, and you make alliances. It's very much like the Survivor show where, you know, you have these teams and you have alliances and you, you, and then it's over. Over. And occasionally, (laughs) and occasionally you you walk away with one friend, maybe two, but even one that, that you really stay close with, but it's, you know, it is, it's like mini marriages. Very much so. And for me, I was able to pivot and then go into the next thing. And I actually haven't made that many friends, even though on the last day of work, you're weeping, Mm. you feel incredibly bonded with a group of people. There are professions of lifelong friendship and we will know each other for the rest of our lives kind of thing. And (laughs) my secret now is uh, for the listener, there is a a thing called a wrap party, which is at the end of a movie or end of a TV show or end of a creative work, you wrap, you know, that's a wrap. You've heard that phrase. So that's a wrap means now it's finished. And there is a wrap party that happens where often people get drunk. um, And of course, all of the withheld feelings, people genuinely develop in a close, intense creative experience sometimes come out and gets a little messy. Often people who have been the single people in your life, you don't know them as family people. All of a sudden they show up with their wives, sometimes their kids, and you're like, okay, wow, I had no idea. But there's always that moment where you have to leave. And my secret and anybody who, if if a listener has tuned in who has worked with me on a movie, you will be nodding your head. I always, at some point, I don't stay long. I show up, usually smile, say hi to many people's families. And then I go, oh, you know, I left something in my car. I'll be right back. And I go. Because I do like a French exit. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. French exit, Irish exit. But uh, why are they only in Europe? Why can't they be know. like a Tulsa exit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I've ever heard. It's like where somebody just you don't even say anything. You just dip away. Well, but that was my way of cutting it off to stop that energy flow and be able to without move actually on. having to say it's done. It's like right. It's and and without having to lie. Mm. And in that way of saying, oh, so, oh, it was so great. It was so fun. I'm going to miss you and we'll talk soon. I'm never going to talk to you again is the truth. The 99.9% of the time, I am not going to talk to anybody again that I've worked with. But do and you I remember mean, them if you do end up having so, somebody on the crew? So here's a great example. Um, weirdly enough, uh, the Cinematographers Guild gave me uh, 
sort of life achievement award. Uh, I'm at that age now. <laughs> You're way younger than me. Oh, no, not am, by much. I am at that age now. My hair's gray and they're like, oh, she'll be dead soon. We got to do it now. And I went to, I had a wonderful evening. And uh, somebody came over to my table and said, hey, um, Dave, have these have these pictures from when they worked with you on blah, blah, blah. And no, it wasn't Dave. Sorry. It was a dolly grip came with these pictures. And then on the panel, one of the honorees was a man that I went down the Amazon with in a canoe for the Guinness Book of World Records. And what? I was like, Dave? And it was as if we had just gotten out of the boat. Yes. I went and found him. And that's the level of connection. It was immediate. It was as close as we were when spending three weeks together in the Amazon. And I haven't really seen him since. So in those moments. I think when you don't hold expectation or define the value of the relationship, except for embracing it just as it is, I feel I've, I am exactly the same way. If it's there, if I don't see somebody for 20 years and I see them, it's as if no time has gone by. Wow. I don't have, I, I, I feel as full. Sometimes I wonder like, oh, why did I let so much time go by when I have such a lovely, you know, connection? And then equally, I can say there's, you know, people that, you know, it, that come back that maybe, you know, you're okay that they don't. <laughs> right. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. 
with an uplifting scent that smells like coconut. Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It's so interesting. It's very similar. You and I are similar. See, the now as we are leaning into each other in our lives... All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, she's just like me. Oh my goodness, oh, there's yes, so much. We have so many things. It's. Do you have friends from when you went to school? No, no. I have one. I have a couple women from uh, high school who, I if they've called me, I would be happy to see them and talk to them. But I don't have a constant. You know, in the in the mainstream of my life of trying to sort of manifest my destiny, I am not in contact with them. No. Is there a reason? You know, I'm always fascinated with people who went to school from elementary on up and have friendships that, you know, carried through like it's so foreign to me um, and intriguing. Well, it's also, by the way, your life like mine, has taken you around the world. Mm. And you have created family units, friend units, on every job you've ever done. And as soon as you were in a partnership or a marriage and you had a child, you know, life gets, as you know, complicated. And Mm. all of a sudden you're worn fairly thin. There's not a lot of space for other people. You, your, the connect the dots with people often is around your work or around the children or around your family. And there's not a lot of room. I think there are some people who stay in the same town, whose children, you know, there are people more rooted. Yes. And in that rooting, I think it has allowed their tree of friendship to really blossom and grow and flower and leaf many, many, many seasons um, intertwine around each other. That has not necessarily been the case. There's always been one primary woman friend in sort of each of the decades of my life who have become then my teacher. Mm. That, you know, I believe God put them in my path. We both satisfied some deep need for each other in that meeting. And then the lessons, the exposure to things, the lessons, um, and then it drifts. And and then someone else comes into my path. And I have felt guilt about it and badly about it. And I'm I'm assuming you're the same way. Again, I, I we don't know each other that well in in that sense. 
And I actually don't know. I know, for instance, Amanda referred to you. I spoke to Amanda DeCadene, and she talked about that I've known Dee a long time and that our relationship, you know, that, that you've had a relationship for a long time. Talk to me a little bit about your, you articulated beautifully your high school life, your early life about alliances and thing and figuring it out super quick and then gone now next one figure it out again gone next one and i think that's really something people can relate to once you started to be a little more of an adult <laughs> sorry um how did did when, you were how old when you started working regularly yeah you were I young was, let's see i started young but really didn't start to get jobs until I was over 18 because normally it's less expensive and less complicated if they hire someone who's of age to play younger. And I started venturing down this path at like 15 or 16. And um, when I encountered this obstacle, I then ventured into making money as a, as a, a doing a little modeling where I learned quickly and lied about my age so there that I um, just avoided that complication. And again, unlike how things are today, they didn't have the access to checking every little you know, detail of your, of your life, um, like we have with now with the internet. So there's a couple of things about this question. So one, like that ability to just kind of cut off and move on was up until, you know, the recent past, so easy and natural that it almost scared me. Mm. And I think, I think there was a moment maybe like 10 or 15 years ago where I realized that it didn't really reflect how I felt. So I had to start to explore another way of being, you know, appreciate the parts of that that are, you know, helpful to compartmentalize like what you were talking about with work. Um, but I realized the other element for me that was difficult in being able to really nurture friendships really reflected my self-esteem. Mm. My general perception was, especially if someone was a peer or had a certain level of success, my perception is they won't really want to be friends with me. So I shouldn't bother. And so I would wait until someone maybe made a little bit of an overture towards me. And when I realized like, well, how would somebody know if I didn't also make an effort? But I, so much of it was my fear and insecurity um, that I wasn't good enough. So who would really want to be friends with me? And all of that other list of kind of garbage that I attach to my value. And I think it was only when I had a friend who kind of brought it to my attention about not reaching out that I realized that, oh, that could matter to somebody that I didn't make, like I moved up to Idaho and so wasn't reaching out all the time. 
as I had been when I was living in LA, as that, just to give a context. And for me, it was perfectly normal. I hadn't changed my feelings towards this person, but it had hurt their feelings. And I it was like a whole learning curve for me. Well, we both have the privilege of having a home outside of Los Angeles that we both get to go to. Now, you you have rooted there much more than I ever did. But the idea of, again, for me, out of sight, out of mind, mm -hmm. I don't mean out of mind, meaning I don't care about them or I don't care about you. I'm saying you're not in my active mind because I'm here now. Right. And what's in front of me is blank. And that's where my focus is. It it doesn't mean I don't think about people. It's it it it's just I have to conjure them. I have to go, I wonder what's going on with so and so. Right. And then I will reach out and connect. And I also understand that there's a part of it that I'm just not ever gonna be enough constant enough with them to like everybody has to accept it. And I think that's what happens when you become a friend of somebody um, who has a, a, an ability to cut and run because of their job, quote, mm. air quotes, mm. job. But also just we also live in two different places and living in two different places allows that. I also think different times create different needs and desires in your friendships. And at least I can speak for myself. Like I, I think in a way, you know, in our early life, we are striving with our careers. We then are thinking about if we want to have a family or not. And so then everything is kind of put like, just to try to balance those two things, family, marriage, there's not much room to be honest. Um, especially with jobs that are taking you everywhere and not leaving you kind of in one place. Um, and I feel like as I've gotten older, I just cherish my female friendships. Like, yeah. I, like for me, they are essential to my well-being. There was some study I don't know if it was a Stanford study or where that actually broke down that that for women the friendships that they couldn't do without were their female friendships. I really feel like I can speak to that. In my younger years, I couldn't have. I don't know. It, I I always appreciated my friendships, but I really treasure them now. And and I am learning, though, how to invest in them in a way that also is enriching through learning from other friends. Yes. And that's how, you know, that's how we get mothered by our friends. Mm -hmm. That's how we get sister. We get sistered by our friends. Um, and that's how we get friended by our friends. We, we learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And my example of you showing up at that book reading was important because it sometimes it's just suit up and showed up suit up and show up that's mm. that in itself just the presence the power of presence 
of somebody else's presence, of them bearing witness to you and you bearing witness to them. It's it's what we do, uh, you know, in celebration and it's what we do in death. Mm. We bear witness. We stand in silent uh, solidarity with our friends and family and let the grieving feel that support. Mm-hmm. Wordless, there are no words you can write, there's no object you can give, but your presence is powerful. And, you know, I think that's certainly something. Um, and, you know, when you talked about being insecure, Mm. I I think meant, I th- I I know my listener will be nodding because I think we're all insecure and it's a very you know it's a very powerful thing and forgive my little baby imitation but will you be my friend mm. you know that little hand yes. are you my friend that little gesture of that of and i think that just stays with us always and that's not that different than in high school which is like a nightmare for most people because you know you're also it's heightened to the it's nth heightened degree what you look sure. like how attractive are you to whatever sex you're attracted to you know how much your body is freaking out and you're not in control of it and you were once a beautiful little girl and now you've got pimples or breasts and you're feeling like your body changed and you you don't recognize it and who am I now and all of it. And I think your statement of that vulnerability, I think, is is profound. It's that is what it is. I think anybody who pretends other than that feeling when you're young is lying. Cause I think what Definitely. you described was. I do agree. It's, it's universal. Something else that just struck me too in my, just my own particular experience. And I don't know if, if there's any part that resonates for you in this and perhaps not, but I somehow through my experience with my own mother made up that in in relation to women that i should not lean on them that i should uh be totally self sufficient and and not burden another woman uh and you know that my mother was obviously not the safest person and so i didn't have that sense of a safety net of of I, I'm having a hard time. Let me go to my mom. Yeah. You know, that just didn't, just wasn't familiar. And so in true fashion, I just kind of cut that off as an option. Just don't go there. And if you are there, definitely do not become needy or a burden. Yeah. Which is yes. kind of cuts off the very beautiful nature of, of how we are with one another as women by, you know, being authentic and being, you know, uh, vulnerable. And, uh, 
So I think there's that's been part of my learning curve. And I, I think some, you know, and I also think that women are generally almost in an unspoken way are conditioned to be pitted against one another. Oh, I don't think it's an, an I think it's a very uh, uh, conscious plan because two things just popped in my head. One is you talk about family and I too, totally too, you know, was raised with the need no one, want nothing, need no one. Yes. And being a burden is a burden. And that's why they call it a burden. Mm. And I remember, just popped in my mind, I remember when Paul Simon sang um, in Graceland, he said, you are the burden of my generation. I sure do love you, but let's get that straight. In that, in that song about going to Graceland with his little boy. And I remember, you know, burden. Children are burdens, people. We are, we are messy. You know, we just, it's, it's burdensome, but it's, a burden you you choose for the most part and you you it, how you carry the burden is really the beauty and grace of your life um and anyway but uh what was i going to say it was something about the competition wait well oh, right so i you know out of the blue one time i got sent cuz i didn't get sent these kind of things very often you know i did horror movies and so it was not like i didn't get the beautifully written works that other women did. And that's groovy. And I'm very content with, with my creative life. But Wendy Wasserstein, uh, they did the Heidi Chronicles for television on TNT. And they asked me to play Heidi Holland, the lead character in the Heidi Chronicles. And I had to meet Wendy <laughs> for her to approve me. You know what I mean? Like they said, we'd like Jamie to do this thing. And she was like, hmm, I don't know. And so anyway, I met her. And, you know, Heidi Holland's the, the sort of center point of the whole thing is this woman giving a speech at a girls' school luncheon uh, entitled Women, Where Are They Now? Or no, Women, Where Are We Going? It was about the future of women. And mm. Heidi in this very challenged moment in her life, gives this sort of like rambling speech about going to the gym and about the women in the gym were talking about their shoes and like this specific shoe and that they were talking about it like the best shoe you can get. And it was this wonderful monologue. It's about a seven minute monologue in the middle of this play. And she's really losing it. And she's angry about it that this is where we are after the women's movement and the end of it. And I'm going to butcher it. And so any Wendy Wasserstein fan out there, please forgive me. But the <laughs> last couple lines of it are, I thought the whole point was that we were in this together. Mm. Like, isn't that the point of the women's movement? Because all it was about was these shoes and this one's husband was stooping this one, and this one was trying to get a job here, but she was a tr tramp. And, the, and it was the conversation of these women in this locker room that really upset Heidi Holland. And we're supposed to, the women's movement was supposed to 
bring us further in equality, in, in the gender equality, but it was also supposed to make us sisters. Sisters are doing it for themselves. We're together. And it doesn't. Yes. And it, it's, it, it, it got stimulated by you talking about um, the competition. Yes. What's interesting about what you're saying is, and again, I, I'm just wondering, it just came to me as you were talking is, now that men are having to be more accountable to their behavior, I feel like it actually opened the pathway for that to occur because there's a part of, of the wall of defense that's been able to come down where we are really seeing one another for that vulnerability that we had to buffer against. Wow. I hope so. And we're seeing it more in our industry. We're seeing more women get opportunities. I noticed that the DGA magazine came across my desk the other day, and there were two women in the uh, out of the five, which is a big shift. Yes, um, to see two women um, be recognized for their work. So, yes, it's so interesting. I think you're right. I think that this time of reckoning, this reckoning, mm -hmm. um, will yield more of that. I hope. And I and I'm definitely not one to you know that. Well, one, I don't want to see things as black and white, good and bad, right and wrong, because I just don't think that's an accurate reflection of, um, and. I don't like to look at men as bad. I, I believe that they have had conditioning also that's encouraged them and made it okay. Rewarded them. And exactly. And I think that, you know, we've got some ways to go for sure. Um, and I think a part of that is, you know, or I wonder is, the evolution, you know, women 50 and up, I think, you know, if we go way back in time, you know, this was a time that shifts were made internally, hormonally. And I think there was a natural inclination to then push men away and, you know, kind of be carved out as we're done with, you know, childbearing. And, uh, you know, this is, this other time and somehow our value became attached to, to our fertility along the, the way. But what I'm wondering is it's almost like who we are today in our fifties and sixties isn't really like reflective of what's actually occurring in our bodies entirely. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's almost like the evolutionary process ha hasn't caught up to who we are. We, we do feel, you know, have an interest in being desired and, and are very much engaged. And there's this holdover 
that almost is trying to categorically dismiss us. And I don't think it's conscious. I think you're talking about like retiring us. You know, there's a retirement age. It used to be 50. People would work in a company and then retire at 50. And, (laughs) you know, women traditionally have been retired, um, a bit put out to pasture. Um, and I yeah. agree with you. I think I, I, I think the great examples of people, but ultimately I think that's in, that is in the mind. I think it's a hundred percent, but I do think in that menopausal, that word that, you know, is not really spoken about very much, certainly not in a way that I felt like I really understood what that meant. What does that mean for uh, for a woman? And um, and it's more openly spoken about, but still not that much. Um, but what are the effects that that may have on how we think about ourselves? And so when we when we change what we think, we will change our experience mm-hmm. for sure. And just to kind of pull it full circle before I say goodbye to you, is we do that not alone. We do that with our friends. Oh, yes. We do that in communion, sisterhood, yes. in communion with our friends. We show each other the possibilities of new ideas, that old idea that women are put out to pasture, they're hysterical. They're, you know, they're past all of that, that that was an old idea of what women were for and how they were to be thought of and treated. And the more, I mean, every woman you and I now are good friends with are vibrant, creative uh, powerhouses of ideas. and wise. And wisdom. So you have the dynamism and the drive of a young woman in their 20s, but you have the wisdom to be able to match it with, which then grounds it into something really deep and yummy. And every single woman you and I know in our girls group, Mm -hmm. in our friend group, with our daughters, we are going to mirror for them through our own friendships. This is what will can happen to you in your 60s yes. and 70s. This is what can happen to you. You can get deeper and wiser and prettier and stronger and more creative and more, and open. more desirable. All of those things and make you more desirable because you know, desire comes from inside you and what happens in your mind and how you think of yourself comes out through you, through the work you do, and ultimately is is the thing that people go, look at her. I want, you know, I want what she has. I want that. Yes. And I think that that really speaks to one thing, which is love of self that that is the journey that I think we're on for all of humanity, men, women alike, 
that is what we're here for is the journey to love ourselves so that we thereby really find the essence of of loving everywhere. I love you, Demi. I love you, Jamie Lee. <laughs> How wonderful. Wow. Thank, Thank you for being on the Good so Friend podcast. I'm honored to be here. So I could talk to you for hours, which uh, we will in other worlds. So for my listener, if you're still there, I would think you're leaning in and nodding. Um, uh, please stay safe out there. God bless you. And um, tune in another time. Thank you so much for being here. I really, I, it was thrilling to me. Thank you. Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro. The first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious hand washing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybretza.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.